When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Gary Morgan. With me as always, the beat writer for Pitt Athletics over at DK Pittsburgh Sports and other things too. I should probably quit calling you that, Corey. (laughs) Just all around jack of all trades, good guy. So, Corey Christen, everybody, how you doing, brother? Trying to be, at the very least. And uh, a shout out to Alan for tuning in uh, on the live stream. He says H2P. And as a reminder, folks, we're live now every Wednesday from 6 to 6, about 6.30 uh, Eastern Daylight Time here on DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube. So um, if you search DK Pittsburgh Sports Pit on YouTube, you will find our live shows every Wednesday at 6 p.m. And of course, they're available in podcast format where those are found as well. Uh, Quick plug to the website, uh, Gary, DK Pittsburgh Sports. We have now launched our new team feeds so a um, little bit new and improved different little interface especially when you go on the app uh, just kind of is, is changing the way that we're presenting content and you know these quick little live feeds it, it's it's like having you know just your standard news feed whatever social media app think of us as another social media app you know that if you want your pirates or penguins or Steelers or pit or whoever it is news uh, you can get it right there at one touch, and that's that's coming straight from us, the reporters. So uh, wanted to give that quick plug, and uh, Gary, let's chat about uh, what we saw on the football field on Saturday, and I think from the title of the show, Predictability, that's kind of my general feeling about what happened uh, in that game against North Carolina. I mean predictability as far as the outcome of this contest. I mean, we both, we both right. knew they weren't going to win this one. Um, it, it went better than i thought it would though in the first half i actually thought phil Dracovic showed some life mm-hmm. i mean it, it really looked like he he had started to find something there they started to be able to do things that it didn't look like they had in them so i guess first before we get to what ultimately happened with phil what what was that about where did that come from well let me put it to you this way okay if, if I told you Friday that the score was going to be what it was, you would have probably believed me, number one. Number two, you would have probably said, whoa, Pitt scored 24 points. That's something, especially considering what we saw against West Virginia and against Cincinnati. Like this offense, and we both had our airing of grievances last week. Yeah. Um, as Alan says in the YouTube live stream, by the way, we take comments live on YouTube. So Alan chimes in. He says the offense wasn't offensive. No, it wasn't for the large part of the game and really up until Phil Dracovic got hurt. And for those that were, you know, clamoring for Christian Veyer, well, you got Christian Veyer, albeit in a really bad circumstance considering North Carolina was already up substantially. They have a Heisman contending quarterback. They, they, they're just one of the best teams in the ACC, and they certainly played like that. And Mac Brown, North Carolina's coach, after the game said, 
when we got up 17, we handcuffed our offense. We handicapped our offense. We weren't going to run, you know, page 99 of the playbook. They kept things vanilla. Drake May, who had a pretty darn impressive game, you know, he didn't put up the flashy stats that he usually does, but he still did incredibly well with efficiency. And of course, Pat Narduzzi after the game, he goes, you know, we held North Carolina under their season average in points and we did this and that. But then Carolina says, no, we handcuffed the offense. So which do you really believe in all of that? Right. But, you, but you asked specifically about the quarterback play. And I thought Phil at least looked better than he did against West Virginia. Did now, he look capable of 11-15 for 100 plus yards at I any th- point? Yeah. I think he did at a couple of points. And I think he showed the one big play that stuck out to me. And really, it wasn't even about um, flashiness or anything. It was about decision making. He, he scrambled to his right, and he was nearing the uh, sideline, right? And mm-hmm. against West Virginia, that's an interception thrown into triple coverage. Against North Carolina, it was a throw out of bounds. It was the right decision. So at minimum, and you see it with the stat line, and you saw it really in moment in the game, Phil made better decisions, and that was a really good starting point. And you notice, remember what I talked about last week about scheme and about calling quick game and getting Phil going with just a few short plays. That's exactly what Pitt did. Look at that first drive. Mm-hmm. He was he was three three for sixteen yards, and all of those catches were for Kanate Mumfield. So Pitt was intent on keeping it short in the opportunities that they were going to let Phil throw. If they meshed that drive, the first drive for North Carolina with the first drive at West Virginia, they get a touchdown at West Virginia on that first drive when they didn't do it at West Virginia. That's the difference in what that pit offense has done from week to week. And it's and it's positive signs as we go into Virginia Tech in a really tough matchup and a really tough road environment. We'll go ahead and let Alan ask the next question that you know yeah. I was going to ask anyway. Yeah, Alan goes, is Phil healthy? I mean, that's the big one, right? Um, Phil Dracovic obviously left the game right before halftime. He took that really big shot, uh, went down, you know, pretty significantly, and then didn't play the second half. He gave way to Christian Veyer. Now, Pat Narduzzi was asked after the game, is Phil in concussion protocol? And he was specifically, excuse me, asked about protocol. And Pat said, no, he's not in the protocol. Then on Monday, you know, again, Pat Narduzzi talking about quarterbacks. He's saying Phil's going to start. You know, as long as everything's healthy, Phil's going to start. Now, I have not received any indication that things have gotten worse uh, since those moments. So we are going to say right now, for the sake of conversation, that Phil Dracovic would be in line to start. However, Pat Narduzzi is preparing Christian Veyer. He is preparing Nate Harnell. They are preparing just in case Phil can't go. Or just in case things get really bad again, and maybe the decision comes that Phil has to be pulled. So really, I would think at at, at, at the harshest right now, it would be a game time call. I think he's going to play. I think he's in line to play. But again, the way Pitt handles their injuries and the way they tend to keep things in house and the way they keep things. I mean, like I, I had to see for myself what Matt Consolvis's injury was. And that's because I happened to be walking, you know, in his line of, you know, his pathway on the UPMC Rudy Sports Complex. And I saw that he had his, you know, left foot wrapped up like a burrito. So, like, you don't find any of these things out unless you really see it. And, uh, you know, for Phil, we'll have to almost wait and see until Saturday. But uh, it didn't sound like 
again, if he's not in the concussion protocol Saturday, this is according to Pat Narduzzi, then it's it's assumed that he's going to be better by Monday and he's going to be better the next day as long as he doesn't absorb any hits. So, you know, we'll see come Saturday too. All right. So all in all, I think that the North Carolina game, as we said at the beginning, didn't really shock anybody. But the no. defense came to play. I thought they, they looked like they were at least doing a good job of containing them before they just got beat to hell in the second half. Mm-hmm. There was just no chance to stop them all game. But they held them in check there for a while and kept Pitt at least respectable in this contest, which I think is what we really wanted to see in this one, regardless of the quarterback play. I was happy to see that they had some quarterback play on top of it. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned already we did get a little bit of Christian Bayer. What'd you think? Not as ready as we thought. He just isn't. And granted, he came into that game in a really tough spot. You know, obviously coming in right off the bench is not the same as preparing to start and going through the week of, of reps as the starter and practice and doing this, that, and the other as the starter. Um, and really pit kind of got taken out of the game relatively quickly in the third quarter too. So here's the, here's the problem I had, and this is a North Carolina thing and not as much of a pit thing. This I think speaks to how good North Carolina is. It got to the point where pick got the football and it was like, when are they giving it back up? When is North Carolina taking the field again? And when North Carolina took the field, it was like, okay, how are they going to score? And is that a problem for Pitt or a praise for North Carolina? I think it's more of a praise for North Carolina but also, yeah. but also, this pit team does not play North Carolina well. It was the same or similar margin in last year's game uh, down in down in Chapel Hill. This was not a um, cl- close competitive game last year. And yes, Pitt had Kalijah Cansey and Haba Baldonado and four other NFL guys on the field for that game. So it's not like Pitt plays North Carolina well anyway. And yeah. by the way, Drake May is just better than. Anybody else that was on the football field, really as evidenced by that Patrick Mahomes left throw, you know, left-handed throw for the touchdown. Like when that thing happens, you just put your hands up and say, you know what? Got fine, you know? So, you know, let's right. take our hey, first break, Gary. Let's take a quick break. We come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the game, answer another question here from the chat. All right, welcome back to the HTP podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey and Gary with you. And before we get to another question here from Alan that I saw in the chat, I do want to say the wide receiver room is not shaking out the way I thought it would, Corey. Mm-hmm. Kanata Mumfeld, I thought, would do well. But I thought Bub Means was going to be a lot more impactful this year than he has been. For whatever reason, he's just not developing chemistry with with any quarterback option they've thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Kanata Mumfeld does seem to be gaining some traction though. I think Mumfield looked as good as he's looked really since he's gotten here. And this wide receiver room was a concern of mine entering the season. It's still a concern of mine. And I know Phil's play or Christian's play, whoever's been under center 
has not exactly helped usher along the receivers either, right? There's a relationship there. There's rapport there. There's quarterbacks putting the receivers in position to be in position, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. So, yes, the quarterback play has not helped this receivers room develop at all. And Phil targeting Bub Beans 11 times and them not hooking up on all 11 in that Cincinnati game is a red flag, and it should be taken as such. But to hit Kanante Mumfield like Phil was able to, and to really just get the quick things going, I think this is really the first time, Gary, that we saw these receivers used to their own strengths. Right. And, and what I mean by that is, yes, you could take all the shots you want in the world um, to Bub Means, but you can't open those shots up unless you go under to Kanate first or under to Gavin Bartholomew first. Or even with Gavin, you can't go to Gavin deep until you hit Bub underneath or Kanate underneath or whoever it is underneath. So it's not to say that they were running things in a backwards manner with these receivers, but also these receivers weren't exactly given a fair opportunity to make a play for themselves anyway. However, however, here's the caveat to it. In the few instances where they did get chances to make plays in the uh, Cincinnati game and the West Virginia game, they couldn't do it. They, right. they couldn't do it. And whether that's a rhythm thing, whether that's a talent thing, whether that's a coaching and a scheme thing, you know, you could con- you can construe that how you please. I think it's a combination of talent and coaching. And that's not about Tyquan Underwood. That's about Frank Signetti and about the offense's design and what these reads are going to be for Phil or Christian or whoever it is. Yeah, it hasn't looked clean all year. The offense, no matter who's running it, no matter what they're actually trying to function with. Mm -hmm. Running is not clean. Line play is not clean. Patterns aren't clean. Everything seems to have a little bit of fuzz to it, right? Yeah. So, and you you see that against poor teams too, where that usually doesn't the case. Usually the, the, the bad teams, you can barely even tell. Because backyard football will work most of the time, right? Correct. In this one, that's I'm just not seeing that this season. Even even against the early opponents, it did not look crisp. Right. You want to see rhythm and tempo and execution, right? And that's why I said last week it was important for Phil to get the underneath stuff first. And for mm-hmm. Frank Signetti to draw up the quick game. And for Frank Signetti to draw up things for Phil Dracovic to just complete a pass. Right. Start with the completion of a pass. Right. You, you got to crawl before you walk and walk before you run. Right. This yeah. pit offense is nowhere near being able to run. Right. So when you think about just development of this offense, they tried to do, I think, too much too soon. And it's exciting to have, you know, Phil Dracovic reunited with Frank Signetti and this offense from Boston College being reprised with that Boston College quarterback from a few years ago. But you can't just force anything or everything, for that matter, right away. This offense needed time to develop and needed to lean on its strength, which was its running game. And guess what? They chose to lean on its strength against North Carolina. And for a while there, it worked. Now, Alan brings up another point. The offensive line. He says, what offensive line will we see Saturday? I'm going to shrug my shoulders. I'm going to shrug my shoulders. We have seen four starting offensive line units in four games for Pitt this year, which is not ideal, (laughs) okay, to be very nice. Not ideal in any sense. And now Mackensalvis is confirmed out for the season with the left foot. Jake Cradle, I was told, was hurt midweek. You know, minor stuff, but that's why he didn't play Saturday. 
Uh, and that was a surprise to us to see him, you know, inactive. And by the way, I think Terrence Moore played pretty well at center, all things considered. Um, yeah. This offensive line has what I thought was going to be a strength entering the season has not performed up to expectation, but now it's dealing with its best player being out in Mac and Salvis. This is two years in a row. Pitt has lost their starting left tackle in week four by coincidence, but like Carter Warren was an NFL guy. Mac and Salvis could have been an NFL guy. Might you never know. Still might be an NFL guy. He's a redshirt senior. So when you lose that anchor, to your O line, that's this is any team. It's really hard to work past that. Now they could start that young depth. You could start Ryan Bear at left tackle, or or move Branson Taylor back to the left side. You have more to play with at center. Um, obviously, Zabovic's still there as a leader. Branson Taylor's still there, so they have options. But also, just the execution, it hasn't been there in a total sense. Although I think it was a little bit better against the Tar Heels. Yeah, I just think. You need to simplify the blocking patterns a little bit with the offensive line. I, I just think mm-hmm. it might be too advanced for the personnel right now. And uh, it it just it makes everything look slow and just come together sloppily. So, yeah. So let's look forward a little bit. We have the Virginia Tech game coming up here. Another night game. I'm sure you're going to have a great time driving home from Virginia Tech, either in the middle of the night or super early the next morning. It'll be so Sunday. Home. It'll be Sunday morning. <laughs> it'll be Sunday morning. I'm going to stay overnight. I'm, I'm not not that insane. But regardless, um, Virginia Tech's a down squad this year. You know they're not they're not great. This should be a pit win, even even as much as we talk about them being down. But if Phil is healthy and you know, if they've put the appropriate band-aids on the offensive line and whatnot, there probably was enough in that North Carolina game to build off of to feel okay going into this one, right? It's going to be a sold-out, white-out environment at Lane Stadium. This is not an easy venue to go play in or win in. And Pitt's only favored, I think, by three. This is a closer line than you might have thought entering the season. And now... That might have something to do with Pitt playing poorly in four weeks to start the season. That might have something to do with the loud Enter Sandman environment that's going to be down in Blacksburg on Saturday. It, it, there's so many different factors, but you want something to feel good about, right? Going into a week, regardless of the week. Now, you have to ask yourself did Pitt give itself anything to feel good about? Out of the North Carolina game, which is why, again, the title of the show, Predictability, look, Pitt didn't get destroyed in that North Carolina game. And there were signs from the offense that showed improvement compared to the first three weeks. So there are some things to take from this North Carolina game and apply it for a little positivity going into Virginia Tech. But it's very clear and you could see this, I could see this, anybody that watched has watched Pitt football this year can see this. This is not a complete team right now, and it's very far from it. And when you have a team like Virginia Tech that is still on the up and coming, is still trying to figure it out now with a, with a relatively new head coach with that system, um, second year I believe he's in, and then you have a, a home night game, you know, with the whiteout, and it's such a hard environment, like... I'm not 
guaranteeing Pitt wins the game here. I think it, right. it, 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 I can't even call it a, like a trap game. Like it's the game before the bye week. I, I don't can't think even call that, it that. I, I don't can't think call you can anything. guarantee a win the rest of the season. This no. isn't that kind of team. That's all no. there is to it. No. Yeah. But regardless, it's a game that they should be in, that they mm-hmm. should have a chance to win as opposed to last week where I kind of thought a lot of stars would have to align mm-hmm. and a lot of planets would have to come into the same exact right. placement for, for things to happen. So let's take another quick break, Corey, and then let's come back and talk a little basketball because we need some uplifting. I think we have really kind of been talking yep. pit loss after pit loss. Let's talk some other stuff here. Welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey, it's time to do what we love best, talk some basketball. We're getting pretty close, actually, man. I can't wait. You and I, I had a blast you. last year covering that. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait to get into it again. And uh, a lot of a lot of interesting things today came up when, in the Jeff Capel uh, press conference. And mm-hmm. I thought maybe you could touch on some of his comments. Um you know, maybe let's talk a little bit about Papa. Yep. You know. Yeah. The thing with Pitt this year is there's a similar feel to this team this preseason compared to last preseason. And it's that all the outsiders think they're going to stink and everybody inside that building thinks they're going to be really good. They were right last year, right? Pitt picked 14th in the ACC, has a top five finish, was in contention for first place until the last game of the season in the conference. And then of course lost to Miami and recaptured the hearts of the city, had this amazing majestic run to the NCAA tournament and had, you know, two wins in that tournament and, and just brought pit basketball back. And then this off season happened. And with Dior Johnson being dismissed from the university with the, the heartbeat of the team, and Jamarius Burton graduating and moving on. That's one thing enough to come, you know, overcome. And one of the energy guys, Nike Sabandi being gone and Greg Elliott and Nelly Cummings, two quality character guys leaving this program, right? They already had enough to overcome from a team that just went to the NCAA tournament for the first time in seven seasons. Now, no Dior Johnson, Papa Conte is out for the year with the knee injury. And now all of the sudden, Pitt has to find a way to turn this NCAA tournament product with nearly all of their major pieces gone from it. Sands, Blake Hinson, essentially Feder Federico and the twins, you know, there's a lot missing from that team last year. And this is Blake Hinson's team. Now this is the twins team. This is Federico's team. Those four guys are going to lift Pitt one way or another to whatever level it is, whether that's top C in the ACC, whether that's 13th in the ACC or anything in between. And you can't say never because of what just happened. Jeff Capel being the reigning ACC coach of the year, that happens for a reason. He has this majestic turnaround. Now he has to follow it up. We said this at the end of last season, Gary. Now it's about the follow-up. 
and he hasn't had a good offseason to help follow it up with all of the losses and with Dior being dismissed from the university and with Conte's injury. And, and it says, you know, Jeff Capel had spoken to Blake Henson about the need to step up, mm-hmm. you know, on and off the court. And, and Blake's responded by, you know, showing up about 25 to 30 pounds less. Mm-hmm. You can see it in his face, too. My goodness. The kid kid looks slimmer. And um, I, I think Blake's going to be kind of expected to literally lead this team in almost every way, mm-hmm. right? He's going to have to be the brick. It, big, brick by brick, right? That's what they say over there. Um, I am very excited to see Blake Henson perform this year. I really am. And he has a chance to be just so special for this team, and especially if he came in in really good shape this year. He came in pretty good shape last year, but I think he needed to be in better shape this year, and he did. Meanwhile, yeah. whatever weight he lost, he apparently gave to the Diaz-Graham twins. Uh, Capel said today they both have put on more than 20 pounds. So, you know, My wife Guillermo, can attest to that. She fed them really well. for those that don't know gary's wife is a uh manager at at a popular restaurant in oakland so um so it's gonna lean on blake right and then from there it's gonna trickle down to those experienced players from last year in that really deep front court now jorge diaz graham sustained a foot injury over the offseason and and jeff capel said he'll be back to basketball stuff pretty soon so they'll have jorge it sounds like for the start of the season, you know, in a starting five cents, I would expect to see something like Jalen Lowe, Ish Leggett, Hinson, Federico, and Guillermo in that, in that aspect. And I think that's a good five to lean on to start with. Um, But there's depth concerns here, you know, losing Dior Johnson, losing your starting point guard, you know, however long it has been now, you know, weeks before, the preseason starts is no easy feat to overcome and losing those guys. I talked about earlier from that NCAA tournament run, you have to learn to play without those guys. And it's going to be a challenging season. I think for Pitt, I don't think they're the 13th best team in the ACC, but I don't think they win the league this year by any stretch. I think there's somewhere in the middle of that this year, just based on the losses and account for damages. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Um, That said, I didn't know what I was looking at last year as far as how it would come together and gel on the actual court. And I think that that's something to keep to at least mention. I think there's more identifiable pieces this year at the very beginning of the year that we kind of have a little bit of a base of having watched firsthand mm-hmm. kind of grow together. So they don't have to start from scratch like they did last year and right. start out real slow and, and find themselves. They might actually have an advantage there as far as get, coming out the gate. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. We'll see how they gel. I. I, I like the potential for Henson to really take a, a step forward, and I thought he was really good last year. He was. I mean, second team all all ACC last year. He was such a spark plug for them. Like there were so many moments of being around that team, and especially in the tournament run, you know, ACC and NCAA. Just being around Blake and seeing his energy and how infectious he is and how he just rubs off of every guy that's around him, they love him there, and he loves being here. And he talked about his decision to come back, and he basically said the decision to go pro did not outweigh the decision to stay home. He wanted to stay back. He wanted to stay back. He wanted to be here. 
Um, and I think Blake Hinson has the potential to be one of the best players in the ACC. There's a reason why he's preseason all ACC. There's a reason why he was a second teamer last year. I mean, he just has the um, the it factor to him. Like he can take the ball into the hole. He can shoot the three. We know he loves to shoot the three. Uh, more, more. Well, I'm going to have a logo three pointer counter this year at some point uh, for how many Blake Hinson sinks from the logo. Alan asks, is Pitt going to the big dance this year? Gary, I don't want to burst your bubble or Alan's bubble, but let me put it to you this way, okay? With the factors that Pitt had last year, with all of those really good senior leaders, they still were on the bubble and still got into the play-in. If I don't feel as good about that team, about this team as I did that team, I don't think this team gets into the big dance. Now, NIT potential, NIT potential. I don't see NCAA tournament this year. Yeah, again, I have my comment already made. I have to see how they gel. I sure. just don't know. Sure. Um, I'm not sure if I if I can sit here and tell you that I'm seeing the Diaz twin like I did last year, or if I'm going to see something completely different this year. Right. You know, I'm seeing Jorge. You, you say, like, Guillermo is going to start, and I'm like, oh, man, you're right. They probably are taking a step back. But – I want to see what Guillermo looks like now and what Jorge looks like now and what yes. Fetty looks like now, you know? So I don't know. I, I think I'm going to wait to form that judgment. <laughs> sure. But plus I'm a fan. I have to keep that judgment. Pretend it's going to be a winner every year. <laughs> sure. Uh, Alan asks, um, not, does Pitt have a scholarship available? To my knowledge, they still do. Uh, they haven't filled that quite yet. And then um, how long is Jeff Cable signed for? He is signed uh, through the 2026-27 season. Uh, he got an extension really before he made that run last year. And Heather Like has been very public in backing him and very public in supporting Jeff Capel and understands that when he got here, he inherited some really rough stuff. I think you can attest to that, Gary. Um, yeah. So they, this athletic department and this administration – um, has put their faith into Jeff Capel, and he repaid them all handsomely last year. So we'll see what that fo- – again, it's that follow-up that we keep talking about. Yeah. How is he going to follow it up? You can have a winning season. Mike Tomlin said it last week when he was talking about the Steelers. Two is a pattern. Can you form a pattern? Can you make this win- Can you make this program a winning program on a consistent basis and prove that last season was not a flash in the pan? Right. I mean, can they get their mojo back, Corey? <laughs> that so, <laughs> was a fake comment from Mike Tomlin, according to him. Fake comment Maybe, from Mike Tomlin. I'll tell you what we probably need to do, Corey. First of all, we need, it's time to end the show. But second, next week, I think maybe it's time for us to take a little look at the ACC mm-hmm. basketball um, mm-hmm. setup, lay mm-hmm. the land, where, who we think's really the best Probably yep. Duke, North Carolina, right? <laughs> Duke, Duke, yeah. one Duke, draw a line, then keep yeah. going. That's right. my early spoiler for you. Alan asks, is so, there well, one game I'm looking forward to? It's always at Duke and at Carolina. Always. always. Those environments are cathedrals of, always. of basketball. And yeah. you like going back to Syracuse too, don't lie. I don't know if I'm going to make that trip this year. The ACC schedule did come out. Hmm. And uh, the, the, the Q's game interferes with a potential Steelers road game. So, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make my way back to uh, good old Central New York this year. I miss that place. I I got my football trip robbed, and I you know as soon as that schedule comes out, I go EJ. You took you took my football trip away. You took my home my home trip away. I'm going to miss Central New York this year. But uh, going to the Bronx will be 
just as fine, I suppose. Well, good stuff. Hey, moral of the story is the football team at least looks like they're starting to get get looking a little bit more the glued together. The wheels are turning. Yes. The wheels are turning. We'll see you Saturday in Blacksburg, I suppose. Sounds good, man. Hey, we'll end the show the way we always do. H2P.